Welcome back. Episode number 79 of the New York Pinches podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and I'm alongside my co-host, Brennan Luca. But today, we're going to be discussing the Goodrow contract, stir the pot, coaching situation, and more. But first, just want to let you guys know to go to InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN to subscribe to ESPN Plus to watch games and more. And yeah, let's get to it. And welcome back. Guys, how's it going? Uh, you know, I'm doing all right. I lost, uh, lost out on the second major for golf this week uh my bet finished in second place in the masters finished second place in the pga championship so i'm doing fine but other than that you know we're doing good uh brett how are you doing you look a little little, little sleepy over there i'm so so tired yeah I, I it was a nice day today and it hasn't been super nice here uh and rainy and stuff for so went for a, a nice long little 30 mile bike ride but i hadn't eaten anything so when I got home uh, from the ride, I was ex- just exhausted. So ordered Chipotle, ate it, and then fell asleep on the couch and woke up just about ten minutes ago. So a little, little tired, but uh, still enough to make my my list, which I think will be the first time that Berkey and I are not going to match. But who knows? Maybe uh, maybe they do end up doing that. But we'll get to that. I feel, later. Like, <laughs> I feel like we're all going to have two similar ones, and then the rest is going to be like a wild card. For our I top wonder, five. I wonder honestly. I'm very, very, very curious about it. But I don't mean to put the the, the card. There is on. one that I don't know how you don't have on your list if you don't have it. it just yeah, I don't know. So we'll get to that in a second. Uh, uh, Bert, you, you you start us off. So it was uh, conflicting if it was a report or a speculation, but apparently it possibly might take a second or a third to get rid of Goudreau's contract. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I think that's horseshit. That's uh, I, I, so the it took the Rangers a second round pick to get rid of Patrick Nemeth's contract. Now Patrick Nemeth's contract, I I haven't pulled it up, but it was what around two million a year, something, uh, like something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and he had like an extra two years left on the contract. Um, now Patrick Nemeth was a liability on defense. Barkley Goudreau is not a liability in any stretch of the imagination. Barkley Goudreau is a fucking phenomenal player for what he is. Um, I personally don't think the Rangers should give up anything or have to give up anything to get rid of him. I actually think they should be getting shipped back to get rid of him. Uh, his contract is not that crazy. It's under $4 million. Um, look, there's, there's someone out there that can take that contract. I'm sorry. Like, if, if that's the thing that they need to do this offseason there's someone out there that can take that contract and if you need to take some money back i don't think you should but i think that's a way to get it done instead of giving up a second or a third round pick i think that's fucking horseshit give me a second round pick to get rid of a quality pill player it's just it's just completely asinine i mean yeah 3.6 av I, I get that that's that that's not like it's the, the term i think that. huh i think it's the term yeah what, what has he got four years left four years yeah. So a big deal. Like, good Lord, these teams give out bigger, fatter, longer, worse contracts to players that actually suck and may not play. Like, Goodrow's a warrior. He's going to be playing. Uh, he's going to be playing for the length of his contract. And he's not like, oh, my God, he's 34 and has four years left. Uh, is he going to have the legs to do it? It's like, no, his kind of play and, and what he does will be fine for the remainder of his contract. And I get if we're not able to get much back for him, I would understand that. But is if we have to sweeten the deal to dump his contract, that's just 
that's just complete insanity. It doesn't make any sense. I will refuse to understand the league if that is the the, the state of things. And it's not because, I mean, God, I've talked so much shit about Goodrow. It's not like I'm, I'm overrating my players and expecting to get a haul for him. It's like, no, it's just, I don't think you give, have to give up a second round or even a third round pick or really anything. You should be able to just toss him to somebody as a cap dump and they always should say, thank you. I mean, that's, that's it. The difference with Patrick I mean, like, Nemeth is it was an it was another year. With Goodrow, there's four years left. Yeah, but but so he's not he's not dying. You know, you're not. It's not. No, no, I get that. But veteran that doesn't have legs, like it doesn't, it, it shouldn't matter. And that, and like, what the cap is, we don't know what the actual the cap's going up yet, right? And then and it's but, this week I mean, the meeting. Yeah, this week, yeah, it was coming up. Uh, but it's it, it's like. Before that contract is out, the cap is going to go up again uh, anyway. So it's just like, oh, my God, you can't spare $3 million and change for a player of that caliber? Like, get out of here. That doesn't make any sense. It might be, though, that they could take advantage because there, there is a scenario where they can, but it's like they really have to trade it just because of the contract. They have to resign the kids. Uh Cap situation isn't the greatest, and odds are the cap isn't going on more than one million. So, I mean, he's got a modified no trade clause, so that that hampers you a little bit. But I believe it's—I got to look it up. I believe it's a—I think think it's sixteen. I think half the league, whatever it is, half the league. He could—he has to give it to team. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I don't know. I, I I don't think you should have much trouble getting rid of him. Um, if that's what you deem that you have to do. Uh, I still think he's a valuable, valuable part of this team. And if you could hang on to him, if you could figure out how to hang on to him for an extra year, then it's an even easier contract to move next year because you're only moving it for three more years as opposed to getting rid of four years of the contract. You know what I mean? Um, So I think there is still a possibility of them – Potentially keeping him. Look, Lafreniere is not going to get much money. Uh, the the Miller contract is the big deal. That's a thing that uh, is going to pivot the entire offseason. What Miller gets. Um, so I think that if that's the first shoe to drop, if that's a big number, AAV wise, then I think you could see Goudreau leaving. But if it's a lower number, and then Lafreniere signs for you know a bridge deal lower number type thing as, as well like i'm something in like a two million dollar range i think it's very plausible that all of them stay and then kuchero is moved at the end of next year um now that's just i that's just me spitballing but you know who, who the hell knows exactly what's going to happen um i think that's the better move potentially because you can it's easier to move that contract when there's three years as opposed to four years left uh and also, also not taking, yeah. Yeah. Also, if the cap continues to go up, that helps us a lot more as well. And the cap will continue to go up more and more each year. Um, so you know, I, 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 to me, that's that's I'm not really too much too worried about that. Yeah, there's a lot of variables in play here that kind of keep it from being obvious what's going to happen or what should happen. Rather, I mean. Hell, even if yeah. the cap just goes up more than the one million that everyone's kind of expecting, you know, that's a variable hanging out there that could change the the math on this a lot. But yeah, I mean, 
it makes yeah. more sense to get rid of them, obviously, to, to fit our cap crunch. But by, by any means, like, there's still other options that we're not even aware of that might be on the table, too. There could be there could be trades that, that are approved with people that have a no-movement clause that approve them and whatnot, that waive it. You know, like, there's behind-the-scenes stuff that you would just we have no idea. But I agree with your, your logic. Your logic is sound. That that's, Goodrow is not a player you have, you should have to pay to get rid of. And and if you do, then you figure out a way to, to hang on to him for one more year. I, I agree completely. Yeah, it's it's not like yeah. a knock on Goodrow. It's just, is it a luxury that we can afford? No, we can't. We, we, we really yeah, can't. I agree. But that doesn't mean that we should have to fucking start packaging off picks to get rid of them. That's insane. No, no. I'm just looking at every situation here. Like, if the cap doesn't go up after, you know, more than one million, which is very likely to happen, actually, kind of 99% happen, unless I'm missing something here. Um, every team knows that the Ranger Rangers are in a cap crunch. They probably really want to get rid of him, not because of the player he is, because as a, the player who we you know, is supposed to be, he's fantastic, but not for 3.6 million and teams might be able to capitalize on that. Yeah. All right. I, I think this it's is worth, a, it's, man, if they do. It's worth noting. It's worth noting that the one deal that everyone obviously hates that jury did, he was in a bind and that's the Bushnevich trade, obviously. Uh, so that's something that, is is worth noting. I I personally don't think you have to give up shit to get rid of Goudreau, though. Um, but it's worth noting that the one time he was in a similar bind, a cap crunch type thing, um, with some uncertainty with the cap going into the pandemic, or in the middle of the pandemic with Bucinevich and the contract and all that stuff. That's something at least worth noting. But I I I re. I, I, I echo everything we just said. You know what I mean? But that's something that I just want to throw out there. For the athletic, Laviolette and Babcock have already been interviewed. And as we saw uh, for Elliot Friedman, Rangers have requested permission to speak to Spencer. I'm, trying, I'm hoping I'm Carberry. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name right just from a, Toronto. Just, I was hoping you would say Carnival. Uh, yeah, Spencer Carnaberry, I believe. Uh but I'm not really looking at the name right now, so I'm not even reading it. Uh, yeah, honestly, like Babcock and Lavalier that make a lot of sense. Look, people want to rip the idea of recycling coaches. I get it. It's not sexy. But I brought this up to my friend, uh, Ben, who, who a lot of people probably listen to the same podcast. Uh, my buddy Ben was on Blue Shirts Breakaway this week, and I was talking to him two days ago and we were talking about the idea of recycled coaches versus new coaches. And obviously if you only pay attention to hockey, it's, it's very, uh, it's, it's easy to just like think about the hockey coach, but look at football. For example, the New York giants went from Tom Coughlin, who was a recycled head coach and they won two Super Bowls. His error ended uh, unceremoniously, and then they fired him and then hired basically new blood. And that new blood did not work. It was uh, Ben McAdoo. Then they hired some more new blood in uh, Pat something, Shermer. 
Sorry, I forgot his name for a second. Pat Shermer. That didn't work. Then they hired some more new blood and Joe Judge. That didn't work. Then they went and hired some more new blood, Brian Dayball. That seems to have worked for a year. It's not always guaranteed that a, like a new uh, a new head coach, first-time head coach, is going to be able to just turn the tide and stuff. So while I understand it, it's, it's, it's sexy and it's, it's the idea, it's, it's the equivalent of drafting like a, a wide receiver or a skill position in the first round for football. Um, it's exciting. But it's not necessarily the best situation to sh- throw in a first-time head coach into a original six team, a New York market, and that's his first head coaching job. And, oh, by the way, uh, you're, you have cup expectations. That's not exactly the best situation for a head coach to start his career. Now, I'm not saying I want to retread, but it's something to at least think about and worth, no- you know, at least it's worth noting. Um, where would Keith, it's also worth noting that where would Keith sorry, be in your uh, ranks in regards to hiring? I, he would be in the fucking dumpster. I wouldn't even fucking touch him. I mean, it, it, it just seemed that like, I mean, it, it was the exact same situation. He couldn't get the best out of his stars. He, it's, it's, to me, to me, Sheldon Keith had had the Toronto was the equivalent of the New York Rangers on steroids on offense, and they still weren't able to do it. It's a very similar roster construction minus a superstar elite, you know, all world goalie. That that's what it was, right? Obviously, you don't have Morgan Riley is not Adam Fox, but Morgan Riley is a, is a fairly good offensive defenseman who puts up points. Um, our defense, I think, is a little better than Toronto's. That's why we made it to the East Conference Finals last year, but it's not the same. It's a similar construction. I'm not going to say it's the same thing, but it, it's similar. And I don't think they did nearly as much as that team could have done. I also think that Dubas should have been fired. He is fired. It's done. Uh, you can't continue to uh, not address goaltending and, and defense and the way that your team plays and expect not to get chickened. Um if I'm, I'm talking about retreads. It's really easy to just look at the final four right now. Okay. You have one blue, one like new, not new. He's not new now, but he was a first time hire in Rod Brennamore. The other three are all retreads. You have DeBoer, you have Paul Maurice, you have uh, Maurice, Brennamore, and uh, Cassidy. So you have these three coaches that are now, you know, some are two wins away from the cups, some are four wins away from the cup. But I mean, as of right now, Cassidy and Paul Maurice are first year retread head coaches. Both of them are two wins away from going to the Stanley Cup final. So I if you just read the tea leaves, the Rangers are gonna go after a retread. I I, I truly believe that. Yeah, I, I I've said it before. I think it's gonna be Babcock. I just got a feeling. I have a weird gut feeling, uh, and just, the one thing that everyone, the one thing that everyone talks about Babcock is that he, the players hate him, and I'll say this: I don't care if the players hate him. I don't. I really that's don't. Not the, that, that's not the issue for me. Babcock is really like, uh, you know, now that you know, Quinnville isn't going to be able to, to to join the NHL again, Babcock's the only one that I'm truly like, absolutely fucking not. And it's not that he's not a players' coach. I, I don't give a shit. I, he, 
there are plenty of coaches that the players don't like that can still get the results out of them. I don't care about that. It's just the way that he is, the way that he is uh, uh, so abusive mentally and then allegedly even physically is just uh, a, a cancerous, you know, uh, uh, sort of effect that I just don't want in the locker room, especially around the kids. And I just, you know, when I, when I read about him, like, kicking dudes in the kidneys on the bench and stuff, I was like, dude, no, absolutely not. And the other thing is just because I said this before when we talked about him, he just – anytime I hear him talk about hockey, it's like – it's like the anti-Valaket. Like every time Valaket talks, I'm like, I learned a little bit more about Hockey Day. Every time Babcock does, it's like the end of fucking Billy Madison. I'm like, I feel dumber for having listened to what you just said. So I just feel like he is emblematic of like a guy that has a name and is going to always be in the conversation for any coaching thing just because that's the guy. Like he is emblematic of that. But your larger point about that. You know, just because it's a recycled coach doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Sometimes guys, you know, they get close a number of times before they're actually able to get a team over the hump. And sometimes, you know, it's the team itself. You know, uh, I, I'm not even necessarily convinced that 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 Keith is an absolute non-starter. Uh, now, there are worrying trends, <laughs> to, to say the least. And, I, you know, uh, I don't blame you for being like, no, I don't want Keith. I'm just saying, like... You know, he's a coach that I think could come into a situation and could probably do a good job. I don't I don't think he's necessarily, uh, you know, completely toxic goods or whatever. But, you know, the real thing is that, like, you know, the team's the most important thing, but then having a coach is actually smart enough to be able to use the team properly. Uh, but that that is so much so largely what they're given. And there's been definitely so many coaches that have ridden hot players and hot goalies to deep playoff runs and even titles that weren't necessarily great coaches. So, um yeah the, the the whole conversation surrounding uh surrounding coaches right now my my one thing is just absolutely not the Babcock anyone else who's to say and we'll we'll find out and I'm sure we'll either learn to love or or no and I I understand the that with Babcock and I'll be honest like I have not read up on everything all of the reports about him so like let me preface everything I say about him with that like there's so much shit. I just I like when the overall trend is that players don't like him. Like that's something I don't give a shit about. I don't yeah, care. No, no, that uh, alone but, is fine. No, yeah, but like what you say, valid, valid point, extremely valid. But when we're talking about retreads, it wasn't so long ago that Barry Trotz was a retread. Yeah. Barry Trotz was a retread. Went to Washington uh, after like something like 15 years in Nashville. And he turned the unwinnable capitals into champions, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a very distinct possibility that a retread is what this team needs. Um, Now, who that is, I I don't necessarily know. Um, It's it's tough to even gauge at this point. But, like, I think the Barry Trotz thing is interesting. I think Spencer Carnaberry is interesting. I think Jay Leach is interesting. And I think Knobloch is really interesting. Um, I also think that, and this is me just spitballing on Babcock. The guy's been kicked out of the league essentially for what, like three or four years now at this point, mm-hmm. right? Two, three. My theory, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's been about three years now. Like three, yeah. My theory, my theory on Babcock is that if he does get a chance again. He's not gonna be an he's not gonna be the same type of asshole. You know what I mean? 
that's that's kind of my theory on it and if that is the stuff that he fixes hockey wise i don't mind him at all um but that's that that's kind of my theory on him and projection of like i think I, at this point if you're a smart guy you know that this is your last chance after the shit you just got fired for uh so if he does get another chance i do think that he would be semi on his best behavior for a short time out of you know after time goes on who knows what's gonna happen um one of the one of the stories uh, yeah. about him that really tripped me up uh especially was him going i believe it was marner and him asking him he said this would be confidential i want you to write down a list of what players on the team you think are working hard and and uh you know they're working the hardest to working the least hard um, which already is kind of a fucked question for a coach to ask of a of a, of a young player is like, hey, rate he was, a, he, was a, he was a rookie, yeah, yeah, exactly. But then the worst part was that he went and then shared that with the rest of the team. I mean, like that's the kind of thing that like makes me like I I'm like, you know, like maybe he'll be on better behavior, sure. But I'm like, is that the kind of guy that I want around Laffy and Kako and Miller? You know, like the young kids that like that. It's just that's not the energy I think this team needs. So that's how many white? How many not players? How many coaches or GMs have we always seen? Whether it's a deficiency or whether it's something like that that have come back and changed. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not asking the guy to. I'm not asking the guy to have a come to Jesus moment. I'm just asking the guy to not be a complete and utter. Yeah. No, but you do, do have. Um, you do you have I mean? to have like, someone that works with Lafreniere. Yeah. You have to have someone that works with Panarin. This window is only open as long as you know what the kids' potentials are. And yeah, you are in a win now mode, but you're only going to win if you get the best out of them. get it but i my, 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 i guess i'm my not question saying when for a, to, like, a friend like, it's like oh you gotta get it. no 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 no. i get that my, my, my main question is people have brought it up like oh like you got to get someone to unlock lafreniere and Kako and all this stuff and it's just like i don't know what that look what that looks like no let's just face it maybe lafreniere is a bust like that's a fucking possibility at this point okay uh and it's not the biggest thing in the world because you know what Every team had him as a number one. You know what I mean? At least that we know of. Um, it's it was the consensus, like for years, that he was number one yeah. pick. I I don't know what a head coach at the NHL level can do to unlock his potential. It's more so Lafreniere has to unlock his own potential. It's on him at this point, in my opinion. I love what Valley said uh, that he needs to put the golf clubs away and hit the gym, and he's actually work his fucking ass off this offseason and hopefully he will he's young enough to the point where he could still do that and have a career year next year um that's something that i think is a very distinct possibility um but i don't know how much of lafreniere and kako are you gonna put on the next head coach if if that coach gives them two months three months starting in the top six the two of them and the two of them continue to not blow up. Like, is that on the head coach? No, but it's more of you're giving them the best opportunity possible. Whatever the outcome is, is what happens. But if you don't give yeah. them the opportunity at all, well, of course, it's not going to work out. 100% Lafreniere, I, I've been saying this, whatever skating coach 
worked with Kako, get them with Lafreniere. Like the dude has got to get faster. None of that playmaking ability or any of that that we heard about that draft day is going to matter if he doesn't have if he doesn't have time and space to use it. So 100%, there is plenty on his part. It's just, okay, that's on him, but we got to give him the best possible situation here. It's, it's actually really interesting. I watched Moneyball yesterday for the first time in a long time. Uh, it's such a good movie. Um, I can't believe it wasn't on my top five sports movies. Uh, but it... It was so interesting watching Billy Bean, uh, one portrayed by Brad Pitt, because that's not what Billy Bean looks like at all. I mean, guy hit the lottery. It's like you, you. It's like yeah, who who's gonna play you in a movie? Brad Pitt. Cool. That's bullshit. Um, but he's not, he's not a bad looking guy. Though. He's not like an ogre. Like he's a good looking guy. Yeah. But not Brad no, Pitt. but it's just like it's just it's just. It's funny, because um, like anyone I mean, who plays, the, I like, think Brad Pitt more fits that vibe of Billy Bean of just being like, I am so casually cool and on top of things. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, it was just it's just funny to be like, man, that guy, the fucking, that guy hit the lottery. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just fucking funny, but uh, no, but it was just really interesting, like to see like a lot of the issues with that team and that year. Watching Moneyball was the fact that. Art Howe like refused to play the lineup that uh, Billy Bean kind of gave him, um, and that was kind of a it was almost a plot point in the entire movie. Uh, and then at a certain point, he kind of relented because, and then he traded Carlos Pena, yeah. and that opened up the spot for Scott Hatterberg to be to actually play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's it's it, it kind of reminded me in a weird way of like. Like Kratzov and the Rangers and Kalan, and it's just it, it was very similar. That had a lot of parallels, um, and kind of it, it just coincided with the conversation we're just having of you know who the coach is going to play, who are they going to play, where are they going to play them, how many minutes are they going to give them, um, and all that. I don't know. It's it's a. I'm 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 really curious to see who the other. Uh, interviewees are and who the second interview, who gets the second interview is a really interesting uh, uh, piece of information once that comes out. Um, now that Knobloch's season is over, it ended on Wednesday. Uh, should be interesting to see if he gets an interview. I believe he will. Um, and if he doesn't, I, I, I'm curious to see if he gets an interview with another team. Um but yeah, uh, I don't know. What do you guys? I don't know what else. I, I don't know where I talked myself into a corner here. I don't know. What the if fuck he was. doesn't get an interview, I I know they they're interviewing someone in Toronto, but I don't know how you think at that point where like they're definitely gonna go with a rerun at that point. Like then they don't just, if they don't interview. I mean, sorry, they're, they're if they don't in, interview Mariak. Yeah, uh, I I yeah I get what you're saying. Um. Yeah, I think that's a very distinct possibility. This might sound, it, it kind of doesn't make sense, but I figured I might as well just share it. What if theoretically, Drury hires a coach, at least he has that backup in Knobloch. But I, again, it's not, it's probably too late in the stage now. That was probably a last year's thing. Or maybe it's no, that's actually. Short. 
that's that is a pos- that is a possibility. Um, that's something that Drury can kind of. I, I, I that's not a terrible thought process. I don't think. Um, yeah. I think you could look at, I think you could look at Lou Lamarillo and the, the way he dealt with the Devils in the from like I think he came in in like '89, right? And between '89 and '95, their first Cup win. I think he fired five different coaches. I mean, and you could fact check me on that because I really don't fucking know. It was something crazy like that. But he fired a ton of fucking coaches really, really early on. Um, so I'm not really sure how many more head coaches Jury gets to hire and fire. But Sather had plenty. Sather had plenty of opportunities. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It's It's a very – I think that's an actual very interesting idea and I never thought about it, but that could be, cause I, here's a thing. Knobloch hasn't, if he hasn't interviewed for other head coaching jobs yet, then it's still a possibility that he is kind of under the radar. You know what I mean? Once they start interviewing for more jobs and not getting them, then they're kind of on the radar for the next wave. You know what I mean? Uh, so if he doesn't get any like job interviews this year, not block that is outside of the Rangers, I think that's a very interesting and decent strategy actually. Because what if they bring in a coach and you know that same thing with Gallant? Uh, they have one good year and then they kind of sputter out the second year. I think Knobloch's a very good option to kind of bring in year two, middle of the year, year two, whatever. I don't know. I think that's a very interesting option. Um, I like that idea a lot. That timeline. Yeah, I think he does. If it goes really bad next year, I don't think it's going to go bad next year because it's uh, this team. I think is is still, regardless of all the obstacles they have in this offseason, like it's still structurally a very good team to the point yeah. where they should they they should very they should make the playoffs and have no, a very no, they good should. Record. But I'm just saying, yeah. what happens if what happened this year from October to late December, January time happens again? Like at that why, point, are we already? Is Jury good already? Think you know? I got now block in my back pocket. I think, nah, I think you. I think you have leeway for a head coach early on in the year. A, for, you know what I mean? A new a new head coach early. Like that's that's. But that's you already went through your first like choice. I think that's I, but it's not it's not the same thing as like a football head coach because coaches in hockey get fired and hired so much more frequently. Um like as I said, say they're I don't I gotta look at the numbers, but say they're hired at least five different head coaches before he passed the baton to Jeff Gordon. Um you know and I, we, we don't really truly know what happened with the firing of Gordon and Davidson, whether it was a referendum from – do we know? I don't know. It, I, I, I could no, we never wrong. officially heard anything now. We, we never heard anything. But Brendan yeah, Smith, be, I believe. Brendan Smith, I believe. I, I don't remember which player. It was a pending UFA. Uh, once his contract was up, he said afterwards that there was some stuff that went down, whether it was in the locker room or in that area – that one day will will come out, and it was during the Tom Wilson incident. So there was like more to it than everyone mm. like saw on the ice. Like, I'm just saying, I don't know. 
I, yeah, I'm excited to find out too because it's just weird that we haven't found out. But it's just like, was it a Dolan situation? Was it a Sather situation? Was it the combination of both? Because it's just weird that that's the thing that perked Dolan's ears up. You know what I mean? He's been very hands off for like 20 plus years as a Rangers owner. Um, I feel like it was more of Sather. Um, and I feel like Sather, it did. And I felt like, and I think it was more of a Sather decision. Uh, also I think Sather, look, he could have possibly, the reason why he made the decision to move on was what could have possibly been, this is me looking at it optimistically, that he personally thought Drury is a better talent evaluator and he didn't want to lose him. That could be one reason. Um, he could also have just been pissed off about the timeline and you don't know what was said. If something there was a heated discussion, you don't know what happened. Um, so there, there's, there's so many different variables. I really couldn't tell you. Um, but I, I, I do think that he has a few more uh, kicks in the can so to speak. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't think this is his last potential hire. I, I don't think this is like, you know, I think he has maybe one more. Um, it, it also depends on how the team does. Like if the team goes to like the Eastern conference finals next year with a new head coach and then sputters out again, like, is that on GM? I don't no. know if it is. No, it's uh, not. you know what I mean? No, like, it's, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I really, I, I can't blame him for that. I, you know, you've got to, Put your bet. You got to put the best foot forward for the entire team, the coach, the organization, the players, and all that. And I, I think Jerry tried to do that this year. I think he did a pretty damn good job of it. I think, in retrospect, yeah, I, it's so it's it's so easy to say that like adding Kane was not the intelligent move or not the right hockey move or whatever. But like, you know, it's so fucking easy to say that in retrospect. I have no, you know, I, people who want to say that, like, okay, where were you on? March, whatever, when they made the deal, what were you saying then? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think Drury's got he's got some runway. Yeah, uh, you know he's young. I think they want him to be the GM for a while. I, I'd be very surprised if he's one more coach and then done. That would be very surprising. Especially if, say, if like Brendan Hoffman comes up next year and has a phenomenal rookie year. Let's just say yeah, that for real. Yeah, that 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 itself kind of extends his runway a little bit more. Yeah. Yep, I agree. So, Molly posted uh, had an article today about backup goalies, potential backup goalies. One that I see here, and it's very interesting, is I'm ho- again, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Nedeljkovic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, Alex Nadel- uh, Nedeljkovic, the. Former rookie of the year that was traded from Carolina to Detroit. Exactly. So, what happens when you bring a goalie like him and give him to Ben Wallaire? I mean, I, I, mean, feel I like think you it's a good move. About anybody, though, like that's that, like to me, like I, I couldn't care any less. Listen, about... we have Shesterkin, and they're going to be the backup goalie. I'm just saying you have right, this right. no, number. but but even beyond even beyond that, even beyond like we have Shesty and he's going to take a ton of starts. It doesn't matter. I really cannot get that worked up about who's going to play backup goalie because I honestly don't think it matters because Ben Moller has proved time and time again that he can take almost anybody and turn them into a reliably good backup goalie 
And the Rangers always played better with their backup goalie in any way for them. So I'm like, I just, I, I can't be that worked up about it. Cause it's just like, you know what? I don't know. Fucking put Deming in there for all I give a shit. Like he'll be fine. Like Benny's going to work with him and turn him into an NHL goalie. He's oh done no, it. whoever they pick, you have full confidence, not just because the goaltender themselves, you know, yeah. they didn't have a good record just because of Benoit Lair. It's just so pick interesting you because can get for 800 grand. That's the be- whoever the best you can get for for 850 grand. Right. That's that's all that matters to me. It's just interesting that the rookie, like pre rookie of the year, not previous, but before that, yeah. was a goalie. You bring him over. Yeah, I mean that's pretty interesting. It is. I mean that it does sound. I think it's. I think it's a great look. It's a great move, mainly from the standpoint of you sign a player. You restructure their career. You let them uh, kind of rehabilitate their image and their playing style, and then you could trade them for assets. That's that's the cool part of it, and that's the nice part. But other than that, like I really just don't. Like, as Brett said, like I don't really like whoever the backup is. His salary is like one point five. That's it, or you know, or lower. Um, I don't put the much more stock into goalie it. That just did horrendous. I can't even think of them. I know. The only one that I would – I'm probably remembering this wrong and I'm kind of exhausted, but Andre Pavlik. Probably, but, I mean, I feel like he got hurt too. I I, I could be completely wrong. No, no, I don't but, know. yeah. And, uh, I mean, like Mackenzie Skapsky, like what, who are we talking about here? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it is what it is. I don't really worry about it too much. No, if they get a random person, like, who cares? Like, they know, everyone knows Benoit Lair will work with them. It, it just seemed interesting that, you know, it makes sense for the player and the team in this situation to do, like, a minimum contract for one year. It's his rehabilitation. And yeah. for us, we get, you know, a quality goalie that works with Benoit Lair. Um no, I, I agree. I think that'd be a really good situation for all parties included. Yeah. All right, the next thing, stir the pot. Um, it could be a wacky. It could be... Speaking about goalies, I got... It could be... It could be this this is going to trigger a few, uh, not a few, multiple people. This thing is... I got it. Berkey, Berkey. Yeah, you got to take their answer. Berkey. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm going to take the reins on this one. For the right, record, I, I warned. So the whole point of this, this is called stir the pot. It's... the. I don't really care. You can come at me. I'm L Big Calzone, whatever. I don't give a shit. Uh, this is the whole point of this segment is to, AKA, stir the pot. Okay. Now, I got to preface everything I'm saying with would I do this? No, I wouldn't. But when you look at the playoff field, when you look at the goalies who have won cups, Darcy Kemper, uh, uh, Braden Holpe, all these goalies that have won cups is goalie the most important position. Obviously Vasilevsky is one. So it's, you know, that, that skews it in the other way is goalie the most important position in hockey. Is it that important to the point where we need a hall of fame elite goalie in the net? Is it? I don't know. Because the Rangers have had Lundqvist and Shesterkin in consecutive years for, what, the past, what is it now, 18 years? Something like that. That we've been going? Something like that. 
And they've, what, been the closest they've gotten to winning a cup is three games away. So I propose the idea, and I'm not saying that I want to do this. I can't be more clear with this. But the idea of the segment, is Shesterkin necessary? Is an elite goaltender necessary to win cups? No. Could you possibly? Oh, I I thought the question was going to be different. The one that you said to me before. No, no, no. I haven't. I haven't. No, no, no. no. Could you possibly make an argument that trading Shesterkin for a ransom, I'm talking a King's ransom, is better for the team than keeping him? Now, right now, his salary is what? $5.6 million? At a certain yeah, point, his contract's going to skyrocket. His once his once his contract hits ten million, is it worth it? That's my question. I mean, the, the thing is, is that I mean, there's several questions in there. It is interesting. No, I'm sorry. I asked like I asked like seven questions. Sorry. No, no, but they're all part and parcel of the same thing. And like number one, like is goalie the most important position in hockey? Yes, it is. Um, I, I I see no other argument for that. I don't know how it's not the most. It's the only person that's on the ice for the entire game. It is the most important position. It's the most game-changing position. It's the most apt to baseball having uh, a lights-out starting pitcher, except you can pitch him all seven games in a fucking series. It's the most important position in hockey. Having said that, it doesn't really matter if the team's not going to give him uh, goal support, as we saw with Hank's entire career and as we're seeing with Shesterkin's career. Is you can have one of the best goalies, you know, uh, of all time, or even, uh, you know, at the time, and it doesn't actually matter. And there's teams that have had mid, okay, decent goalies that sometimes just get hot at the right time and whatnot, and they win cups. So as much as I love him, it, I mean, it all depends on the question. All rests on basically what does the Kings' ransom really entail? If we're able to fill in every gap, you yeah. know. With, with what you get from the yeah I, I do i think it's one of those things that people would, would never want to do um it was it's similar to when i earlier this year way way before the playoffs it was literally i think i wrote the article in like january where i was saying like if we, we could get a haul out of panera that would be the best thing for this team and i thought that panera isn't an unbelievably effective player it's just that it's expensive and you might be able to get you might be able to get something big for him um i don't think it's true anymore but um but the players value, you know, what they're actually going to add to wins versus what, what you can get out of them is always a question that you have to ask. And it's always a fair question. And, and Shesterkin, as much as I love him and as effective as he can be, and he'll help any team win more games, including playoff games. Uh, I mean, God, the, you probably could get an absolute haul out of trading him right now. And then you go to, uh, you know, another guy for Benny to, to work up and make this a lethal team. Yeah. That's that's my main thing. There's certain franchises in every sport, whether it's the Packers drafting quarterbacks, whether it's the Rangers drafting goalies, the Predators drafting goalies. There's certain franchises, the Mets drafting pitchers, that just seem to have the touch, mm-hmm. that can just draft players that are superstars for that specific position. The Rangers have done it for basically my entire life. So in a way I'm, I'm kind of, I, I'm not necessarily disregarding the importance of goalies, but I'm, I'm also just kind of tipping my hat and saying, we can't draft forwards that are elite talents. So 
maybe we just draft goalies that are elite talents and then turn them for profit and then <laughs> just keep drafting goalies. If maybe, maybe, maybe that's what we should do. Maybe we should just draft seven fucking goalies every year in the draft. Okay. And just turn them for profit. I don't know. Um, I mean, the problem but with that, honestly, though, of, I mean, I mean look, I, it's, I know it's yeah. a, I know it's a joke, but the problem is like you, you never get a good return out of a goalie. That's the problem. I think you need a Shesterkin level goalie in order to get something back. Because like even a very good yeah. goalie is like, oh, you might get a second or third round for him, and you're like, what the fuck? The market for goalies is just yeah. so weird. Um, no, I mean, it's, I just think it's an interesting. It is. I think it's just an interesting look, and I'll. I'll you know, I'll say it again. Like, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not. No, it's definitely a fair point. It's um, 100% that, you know, look at Colorado yeah. last year. Um, yeah. The problem is, is that, yes, goaltending is the most important position, but none of that matters. Goaltending itself can't win you a cup. You know, Henry Blanco's had, what, 130 goal center his whole career, and that was, like, the later years and because of Anajad. Yeah. I mean that's not exactly a recipe. No, for he, he had he had a Rick Rick, Rick Nash had a forty goal season. No, I, I said center. Yeah, Rick did something decent. Yeah. No, oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I you broke out for a second. No, yeah, no, it's 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 just. Yeah, I mean, like, like I, I don't know, like, would you do Shesterkin for Drysidel? a first round pick you're getting back a first round pick and i don't know their farm system or like younger players on that team but like you know what i mean like that's the kind of haul that i'm talking about i'm talking a superstar in return for a superstar that kind of shit is my point and i don't even know if dry sidle is the issue that would solve this team that's not my point i'm just saying like those are the kind of things that i'm talking about like those echelon players because that's what you is I would take Nick Suzuki and um, and Caulfield for Shesterkin, and then and then the Habs can have uh, mm. or, I would, uh, I would. or Suzuki and Doc. Actually, Suzuki and Doc. I'll take those two, and then they can then the, the Habs can have another legendary uh, Hall of Fame goaltender. You know, for another fifteen years, they can do that again. Yeah. Um, no, I just, it's, it's, it's Man, something I was just thinking about, especially watching the playoffs, right? Like watching the playoffs and seeing like, obviously Bobrovsky is a, in my opinion, I think he is kind of a hall of fame goalie. Yeah. Uh, um, he's on the borderline right now. Um, you know, I know he's like, he's making 10 million a year. So that's, you know, that's a lot of fucking cash. So that's different. Um, but you go to Carolina, they have a goalie by committee. You go to Vegas, they have they're on what their third or fourth fucking goalie right now, uh, and then obviously you have Ottinger, uh, who is a second round stud, you know. Um, so it's not necessarily that you need a stud to go far in the playoffs. It's 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 a very interesting uh, concept or dilemma, I think that is very perplexing and I don't really have an answer for it. I'm just curious what everyone's thoughts are on it. So, uh, but yeah, I don't know that that was my story of the pot for today. Now I'm just trying to think of a theoretical trade that would work. Yeah. No, it's tough. Like Brett said, the goal. I'll go on NHL. Uh, and 
Yeah, it is. It's, I, you know, it's just something to think about for the future too, because like, say if Dylan Garan really develops into a stud, like, and I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if that's even plausible, but it wouldn't surprise me if it did happen. You know what I mean? Like just the way that they've been able to fucking turn, you know, late round draft picks and goalies into studs. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And like, what if Olaf Limbaum, the, I mean, I, obviously that, that's a name, like he's probably not at this point going to be developing anything, but like, I don't know. It's just things happen with goalies later than a lot of players and a lot of development in other positions. So it's different. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, you guys want to move on to the top five? I'll throw in Weber yeah. Hayek. Just get a Matthew Kachuk and <laughs> I don't know, just some. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyways, um, we're gonna go to Q and A, and this time it's gonna be a bit more emotional than last time. I feel, like, I feel like I just made every. I, I feel like I just made everyone depressed thinking about trading Shuster. No, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I can't watch another. Yeah, that's, that's what Stir the Pot's about. Go without a Stanley Cup. I know, right? So yeah, I'm with I know. It's just, yeah. All right, see how many questions we got. You see the like um, goal saved above expected, and you see like the combination combination of Shesterkin and Lundqvist in the playoffs, and you're like, the Rangers should be held like charged for crimes. Like, yeah, I know. It's it's abysmal. It is. It is yeah. indeed. Um, if we could try and go through the, we're already at an hour here, I think. So if we could go through the mailbag on a on a quick clip because we still got the top five to do as well. I didn't realize how late it was, but yeah, I'll just I'll just do a few. Um, all right, Brian asked, "What coach would be bad and detrimental?" Where he said, "Like everyone's talking about who you want, but who would you say no? Absolutely not. No, I think we kind of addressed this, Brad. You said Babcock, um, yeah. or Wuka. What do you I, think who would be detrimental?" He, he said, he said Babcock. I said Keith. Uh, I just think that Keith doesn't, you know, I'm, I'm not a Keith fanboy. Uh, I, you know, I, I know that there's a certain fraction that believe in him, but I just, what they did the past few years, I didn't see enough. And maybe that's on Dubas as well. It's tough. I don't really follow the team as much. Uh, so I, I, but like for me, from the outside looking in, he's not the guy who I think would uh, help. I think he had a very similar roster construction in Toronto, and I don't think it's the answer. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Paco Taco asked, which NYR take this offseason will age most poorly? Wait, what is the question? Which um, I, Rangers offseason take will age the most poorly? That we should trade Shesterkin. I think that was like our own thing I've ever heard in my goddamn life. I, I, I think it's just it could be any like you know Twitter Rangers take. Uh, I mean, I think the people who want to like just get like look, I get if you want to trade Panarin, but just getting rid of Panarin for the sake of getting rid of him, I think that's a terrible take. If you want yeah. to trade Panarin and get like, if you're getting stuff back for him, that's fine. But if you just want to say like, oh, like, like, dude, the guy's like been terrible in two playoffs, and I just want to get rid of him. Like, no, I think that's a terrible fucking take because ninety plus points, ninety to a hundred points, 
pretty consistently since he signed here uh, mm-hmm. during the regular season is still super, super valuable. Um, I, I think that's a really bad take. I think trading him is a different thing, but trading him for just nothing is a really bad take. Yeah, I, I mean, just kind of piggybacking on that, I, I agree with that. I, I, and just in general, I think the the burn it down reactions are an overreaction. Um, and like like you were saying earlier, that yeah, this is a team that's still built for success, it's still built for a playoff runs and playoff runs in the future. Um, I get the knee jerk reaction, so I forgive it. You know, after you lose a, a series like that, you're like. Fuck this, get rid of everyone, burn it all down. I just feel like that's a bad take. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of players, a, a lot of players that were underperforming, but that's happened. There's guys that have had really bad playoff runs where they do nothing, and then they come back a year or two later and they absolutely tear it up. Like, people get a hot hand at the right time, the wrong time. Sometimes there's attitudes that go, going on with the roster, with the coach, you know, in the locker okay, room. Okay, but Yeah, exactly. You know, so I, 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 while I get it, I think overall, if I was just to answer the question quickly, just the burn it down crowd needs to calm down. It'll be fine. Yeah, I'm going to go with the yeah, agree. concept of trading Miller. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah, that that's a flat no. Yeah. No for me, dog. Yeah, no, no. All right. He's not obviously going to be a number one, but my gosh, he his potential, he could be really, really good. Um, all right. Uh, it's Paul's asked, do you think we are screwed with Fanatics? Uh, and apparently he also, he got like two jerseys when he ordered one. But I think, yeah, the basically the question is, are we, is it going to be a problem with Fanatics and the NHL being yes. the official? Um, I, I'd say yes, um, as it's very well known that they don't even know how to pronounce the names on the back of the jerseys or get the right number correct. But I honestly don't understand. I mean, like, man, antitrust legislation in this country needs to be given more to more teeth again because it is just absurd how fanatics has gone into all sports and just taken over whether it's like the hockey card hobby or merchandise. One company should not be able to control and get exclusive rights like the way they do. And to me, it's so anti-competition. It's so anti-everything this country should be about. And I fucking hate it. I've actually had, for the record, decent experiences with my Fanatics gear. It's not the highest quality stuff, but I haven't had pure disasters. Like, my stuff has held up okay, but I've seen a lot of people with, you know, misspelled shit and stuff that falls apart right away. I just fundamentally don't like one company having that much control over it, and especially a company like them that is just literally spending so much money that they can control the entire market and then they can make the market that's just bad for anyone and is definitely bad for hockey. So yeah, not a fan. Well, yeah, when they control the whole thing, they could do whatever they want. They do whatever the fuck they want. Yep. They could be more lenient. I mean, they, they, there's just I, some mistakes they do. It's just how in the world did that happen? Yeah. I I I agree. What they've done to this point is alarming. It's bad. Like they're, they're there's always these. I saw a thing the other day where someone got a. Seattle Kraken jersey and the Kraken logo was upside down. Nice. Like, like the S was upside down and it's very clear. Uh, so, like, yeah, it's alarming, but I How also is Sam Rosen going to be able to pronounce names next year? With all the what? typos they're going to have in the back uh, of the jerseys. I, no, oh, no, but 
all all joking aside, I I do think that it doesn't take into consideration. It doesn't take into like effect like what for another two seasons. It's not next year. No, oh, it's next year. I thought it was the year. I, I'm like ninety nine percent sure. Wrong. It's I, yeah, I thought it was. No. I I I regardless, I think that they've done MLB baseball jerseys for a while now. Uh to the point where I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you're right. It's it's next year. Any issues. It's next year, not yeah. this coming year. It's next uh, year. not not this up yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Um I think that they've done MLB baseball jerseys for a long time now. So it doesn't really worry me in the sense that like They've had that for a while. I think that there's been so much backlash, rightfully so, to their actual, you know, new contract. I think that they, them and the NHL know they got to fucking get it right. I, I have a little faith. My, it's not, it's not, I'm not, a, I'm, I haven't, I'm a little, I'm a glass. They also did it for 10 I, years. I don't think it's, yeah, I, I don't necessarily. I think that they'll. I think they'll figure it out. I do. I. I, I truly do. Um, also, if they don't, then it saves me a lot of money in buying fucking jerseys. So I'm not that upset because I've been spending so much fucking money on jerseys the past like four years. So I'm really happy that if that doesn't work out. All right. Yeah, we're gonna speed it up here. There was a few other questions, but we gotta gotta keep this thing going. Um, Luca, I believe this is. Your time, top five. And hey, I, I believe this time around, I will finally not have a list that will copy Brett's. All right. It'll be great. I'm looking forward to it. All right, we're gonna move we're gonna move quick here. Since the NHL since the first four games in the East Eastern and Western Conference Finals combined all went to overtime. We're gonna talk about the top five overtime game in any sport, uh, in our lives. Uh, it doesn't matter if, if you've watched it. It's just something that you've seen, you've loved, you know, moved you, whatever. So uh, I'm going to start mine off, top five. I'm going to go Tiger versus Rocco Mediate. Uh, it's a, we, you could watch it. It's, I believe it was a PGA championship. It might have been the U.S. Open. Um, it was like 2007 or something like that. It was a crazy, uh, like it was a two different playoffs, basically, for this golf championship. Tiger Woods broke his leg, I think, on in the middle of it. Like it was a fucking insane, insane overtime, and it was it's one of those things where Tiger was just like, "I'm the greatest golfer ever." Fuck off, um, and he just kind of willed himself to victory. It's just a really cool thing. It's also in the HBO documentary on Tiger. Uh, if anyone wants to watch it, it's fucking awesome. That that's my that's here. number five. Nice. It's number five. All right. Um... My number five is uh, Blue Jackets Lightning 2020 first round uh, after getting swept uh, previous year. Uh, you have Braden Point scoring the uh, overtime winner. Um, I just love some of the stats of that game. Like Corpus Allo setting a record with 85 saves and Seth Jones with 65 minutes of ice time. It's just like sheer insanity. Like that game was insane, even though it didn't go the way I wanted it to because I definitely wanted the Jackets to win. Just a very memorable bananas game. So that's my number five. All right, I got um, – obviously, I don't follow any of this for besides hockey because uh, one team is enough to deal with. For my fifth one is 
it's not a big, big one compared to everything else, but it is Carl Hagelin in 2015 uh, when he scored the game winner for the Rangers to move on. When the Rangers won and they actually beat a team in five games, it was like that shouldn't happen, and it did. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And everyone's like, this might be something different. It, it was more than the game itself. It was just, you know, everyone's always used to the Rangers never winning in five and it actually happening. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, my number four is going to be Brett's number five. Uh, I loved watching that game. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, everything about it, Brett said, I echo that sentiment. Uh, that's my number four. Brett, you're number four. Uh, so this is a weird one again because it didn't go the way I wanted it to, but um, it was just still so so epic. Uh, was the Bills Chiefs 2022 uh, AFC Divisional uh, game? Uh, Bills ended up losing. Oh, yeah, time. that game was awesome. That game was just one of the best games ever, and to me, I almost put it in here just so I could bitch about how dumb NFL overtime rules are. Um, you should always get a chance to respond. Um, and especially in a game like that where there was like five touchdowns scored in the last like two and a half minutes of uh, of, of play. Um, just a phenomenal, phenomenal game that was just bananas. Just like two teams just absolutely slugging it out. It was like it was like a football game version of a boxing match or a boxing match version of a football game. It was just incredible. Um, and even though it didn't go my way and even though I still hate uh, NFL overtime rules, um, it was just such a memorable uh, playoff overtime game. So, yeah, number four, Bill Chiefs 2022. It was an incredible game. Yep. Okay, this definitely has some recency bias, so I just want to have that on the record. Um, is this year's Florida or Boston? The satisfaction of just Boston yeah. just choking it up, historic team, and just losing to the Panthers. Uh, I was at a watch party uh, well, we had a hockey tournament. They had like this huge setup uh, in this giant tent outside. And they had uh, screens all over the place. And when Varegi scored that, oh, my gosh. That was – That's yeah, awesome. That, that, yeah. That's a – Yeah, so anyway, yeah. That's a really good one. Um, I love that one. Uh, my number three uh, – and I kind of go back and forth uh, – with a few different ones. Uh, but my number three is going to be the Derek Stefan overtime game seven against the number Capitals. three, probably high. Yeah. It's, it's, well, I was at, I was at another one. I like visibly, oh, okay. I was there in the audience. So it, it, it bumps it up a little bit when you're there and it's just different, but for the step on game, uh, that one was awesome. Cause I remember literally watching it. I was living in LA at the time. I was watching it at this bar, Timmy Nolan from studio city and my buddy, and I, we were sitting there watching, and as soon as Stefan scored, I jumped up, ran around the table, and just jumped on him, like literally, like full on bear hugged, and like tackled him uh, in the middle of a bar. Uh, so that one was just unbelievable. The entire situation, uh, it was just, it was awesome. Um, but yeah, that that game seven Stefan goal was unbelievable. Obviously, it's much higher on many people's list, but continue. Brett, you're number three. Um, uh, my number three is going to be uh, Panarin's Game Seven OT goal to crush the Penguins last year. Um, mm. No, that, uh, no, yeah, you got to pick another. 
No, no, I don't. I don't. You got to pick don't. another. Oh, no, I don't. I don't and I won't. You have to pick another. If you want to. Wait, you're going to be really annoyed. Please, you're going to be really annoyed time. on my list anyway because like, I don't even have Stefan's goal at all in there. The next two are not that. So you can be mad all you want. But yeah, number three, Panarin's Game 7 OT goal. I mean, I, I, I can't remember the last time where I jumped that high in my life. Like, I'm pretty sure I could have dunked on an 11-foot rim that, that day. Mm. Like, I... I had about a four foot high clearance on my on my on my jump. So yeah, uh, that, so, that's, that's my number three. Just to jump on that real quick. So when I told my dog Ravioli, he loves carrots, and I, when I when I went to overtime, I said Ravioli, if they score, you're getting all the carrots in the fucking fridge. And as soon as they scored, I went and got a bag of carrots and just threw it all over the the floor. And Ravioli went fucking ham on all these carrots. And then he was constipated for like three days. Hilarious. So, wow. Yeah, so my dog was like constipated and then had diarrhea that was just orange. It was terrible. So, so should we should we just Turkey. once again skip mine because No, no, you can you add your own thing to it. Well, shockingly, I have Panarin. What do you, what do you know about that? Um there were plenty of OT goal, like obviously Rangers and who had the Mika Zibanejad at game five. You have you have all those things, but that Panarin goal, and also I was, again, at the same exact type of watch party as the one uh, with Boston and Florida. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, coming back three to one, and yeah, Zibanejad, what? He scored with five minutes left? Roughly around that? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was like, yeah, honestly, I keep on looking. I kept on looking afterwards at the Panarin goal because I don't know. I didn't know how that went in. There were like three people blocking him. And oh, it, was, at the it was he and I don't know how it missed like six pairs of legs, like uh, three pairs of legs. I don't I don't know how that happens. And, and it wasn't like Jari was completely out of position. And it went to the perfect spot also. It, it, oh, it was one of the luckiest goals ever. It, yeah. I, I mean, there were people afterwards saying, how in the world did that go in? Because yeah. they were – yeah, so anyway, uh, yeah, th thanks, Brett. Yeah, that's, not, that's my number three. All right. My number two is going to be Giants-49ers NFC Championship game 2011. It was 2011 season, 2012, January. Uh, me and my brother were at the game. Uh, so just to be there for a overtime championship game that went that, you know, winner goes to the Super Bowl, you're the underdog, you're on the road. Was this uh, where you old... No, no, no. That was a Super Bowl four years earlier. Oh, okay, um, and okay. I wasn't arrested. I, I wasn't arrested. I was detained. Legally. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it was just, you know, to be in Candlestick Park or whatever, you know, one of like the classic venues for sports for years, uh, and see that happen. Like it was such a cool atmosphere, so unbelievable. Uh, and the Giants won. Um, so yeah, that's my number two. Uh, my number two. Uh, this is gonna annoy people. I think it's not number one, but uh, Matteo, 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 Game Seven Eastern Conference Finals against the Devils. Um, you know, that's like the I think in Rangers lore, that's about like the. The shot heard around the world sort of thing. So uh it's my number two. And you're gonna be annoyed at what my number one is then, but there it is. 
I don't know if it, I don't know if I, I'm upset that you don't have step on in there, but at the same time, I'm happy that it's not going to be a copy. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, we're going to be different. This is going to be different. So, That's fine. Yeah. All right. Number two, and I, I was debating this for a little bit, um, which one to pick one or two. It's basically a coin flip. Uh, number two is Martin St. Louis, uh, game four versus the Canadians. I mean, obviously. My brothers were at that game. game. Huh? My brothers were at that game. Oh, nice. Yeah, if the Canadians won that and everyone was worried, um, yeah, no. I think it speaks for itself, number two. Yeah. For sure. Uh, my number one is going to be Stefan, or not Stefan, uh, Mateau. Uh, obviously, it's like the first thing you learn as like a kid. Like that was like four, I was, that was like three. Ooh, wait, we're doing three, in our old. time. Um, yeah. When we, Talking about when we were alive. Were you not alive in 94? What? No, I'm talking about Matteo. What are you talking about then? What are you talking about? Wait, didn't you just say Matteo? Yeah. 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 I was I was alive. Oh, oh, oh okay, okay. Were you not alive yeah, in 94? Uh, no. You were when, when were you born? I I told that we've been over this like a thousand times, 1999. When? 1999. 1999? Jesus! Yeah, you see, like, the first five years since, at that point, you have, like, zero brains, I was spared the dark days of the Rangers. Wow. I I, I honestly didn't realize uh, uh, our age was that big of a difference there. Uh, I did did not know. 99? God damn. Uh I know lyrics to a Will Smith song referencing 1999. That's how fucking old I am. This is fucking bullshit. Uh, well, it's fine. It, it opens up an, another way to, to, to you know, to insult you now. Just like be like, well, what are you? You're like 14 oh, years old. Oh, gosh. I'm going to hear that now. The... <laughs> That's crazy. 99. All right. All right. All right. Anyway. Um so, Luca, yeah, was your number one? That's right, you're a Matteo. you have anything else to say about Matteo there? No, I mean, it, it, it speaks for itself. I mean, anyone... Yeah. It, it's just... It, it's, it speaks for itself. That's all I got to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure it does. All right, uh, my number one that's going to piss everyone off is the 2010 Olympics U.S. versus Canada uh, when Sidney Crosby... Through a backhand against Ryan Miller in overtime to uh, to win the gold medal. Um, I, I of of victories that I watched uh, in my life. You know that second only to uh, the '94 Cup. Um, that was the biggest win that I ever. And that was my biggest win as an adult too, because uh, obviously I was a kid in '94. So that one holds a really special place in my heart. Um, and even though I've been a lifelong uh, Sidney Crosby hater. And I mean, I really do. He has a special tiny little place in my heart for that. Um, so yeah, that was that was it, the, the 2010 Olympics. Uh, thank God for Sidney Crosby winning it for, for Team Canada. Wait, what was your fifth again? You don't have to go back and and no, and no, no. I, I, wanted, it. I want I want an explanation. I was trying to give it, I was you know what it was is that I, I limited myself to two Rangers. Uh, okay. I didn't want my list. If, if I if I was going like 
I, the way I interpreted the question too was like any sport. And I was like, all right, well, let me get a little variety here and whatnot. And I didn't want it to just be a Rangers list. And that's why no, like, you know, you'd be annoyed that like, yes, is, is, is Stefan's goal? Is that bigger to me than the blue jackets lightning first round? Is that bigger than the bills chiefs? Yes, it is. No, you, you wanted to make it big. I wanted to have a little bit more variety in it. So yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Exactly. But my number one still would definitely be that US USA Canada Olympic gold medal game in Vancouver. That was uh that was like the second best game I've ever watched in my life in general. So yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, obviously. Derek Stepan's my number one. Um I don't think I've ever screamed louder in my life than when he scored that goal. I mean, that was insane. Uh, with McDonough, obviously, oh, wow, Kreider scored it, I don't remember, in game five, uh, I don't remember if it was a middle lineup or whatever it was, and then McDonough with the overtime, and then game six, four to two, I believe. And then that game seven, Ovechkin also guaranteed, actually, that Washington was going to win it. It was 1-1, and then the first five, ten minutes, Washington, was it was all them. And everyone's like, oh, shoot, it's, it doesn't look it. And then the Rangers had one face-off play, which they mentioned at that time, the Rangers, uh, like, number one in face-off um, situation to create a play. And, yeah, I mean, you literally can replay that in your head in such detail. And obviously, obviously the... Next round wasn't exactly something we like to talk about, but yeah, no, that was uh, yep, yeah, totally fair, totally fair answer. Yeah, right, I think yeah, uh, obviously this is <laughs> been about an hour, hour and uh, twenty minutes. So if the listeners are listening at this point, full props, and uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next. Time.